My guest on this week's episode of Sesame Search is Grant Simmons, SEO strategist and brilliant strategy. Grant is a veteran digital marketer with over 20 years of experience. He presents at conferences all over the world, including PubCon, Digital Summit, the Advanced Search Summit, and the Shang Mai SEO Conference. Grant has been a judge for many search marketing award shows, he's a frequent blogger, and a must-follow on social media. We've spoken to in-house SEOs, agency owners, freelancers, and everything in between. It's difficult to put Grant into one of those familiar categories. He's carved out a niche as a fractional director of SEO. I'm going to start our conversation learning about being a fractional director of SEO, which in my humble opinion would be an excellent solution for many businesses. Grant recently spoke at Digital Summit Chicago about entity SEO. We'll discuss the presentation and nerd out about entities, schema, internal linking, and much more. Grab something cold to drink and join me for a conversation with Grant Simmons. We'll talk about his position as U.S. Ambassador of InLinks. We'll spend a little time chatting about ChatGPT. And I'll ask Grant to make some predictions for SEO in 2023. All right, Grant Simmons, welcome to Sudson Search. How are you doing? I'm doing really good, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for doing this. I, I have a lot of things I want to talk to you about, but one of the things I've been interesting, interested in more and more recently is specific jobs within digital marketing. So what I mean by that is we've talked to freelancers or we've talked to in-house SEOs or agency owners. Uh, I've talked to somebody who all they do is agency finances. You are a difficult person to put in a box. Can you help me understand how you work exactly? So I've done everything. So I've been in-house. I've been freelance. I had my own agency. And now um, most of what I do is what I call fractional. Um, so it's been a known entity to have a fractional CMO or fractional C-level folks, sure. which is essentially part-time. Um, but what I've found over the last year, um, after I left my full-time job, is that there was a need for many agencies and, and some clients to have a fractional person, you know, kind of in-house, someone that shares their email address, shares their calendars and things like that, um, but isn't full-time. And I found that serves often the clients best as well as help mm. helps me in organization and making sure I fill in the hours and timesheets and things like that. So um, I'm a director of SEO fractional. I'm a fractional SEO strategist and I just took on another SEO strategist role on a fractional basis. It's, it's very interesting. So for the, uh, for the client, they directors of SEO are famously expensive. Uh, there's a, maybe a cost benefit. It's hard to get somebody of your quality in a full-time basis. It'd be probably be impossible. Um, it's, uh, you know, it, it allows you to kind of, um, pick and choose what you want to focus on. So, the idea is that for you, you, you could work on several of these. I've never heard of this fractional before. Like you said, I've, I've heard of a fractional CFO, a fractional CMO. Um, how did you even come up with this idea? Or did it come to you from one of the engagements you had? Yeah. So if I, if I want to be the smartest guy in the room, I said I've made it up, but I didn't. So um, <laughs> I think I, I saw that it was used in other, other kind of engagements. And uh, really, um, I think what the difference of change is that a lot of clients understand what fractional means. To your point, that's really insightful. Um, 
they often can't afford me and that's not making out that I'm the bollocks or anything else. It, it's, it's expensive to have someone in-house doing SEO full-time and it's also sometimes not practical to have someone in-house full-time, especially on medium to large sites, especially for startups where there's sprints, there's a need for SEO at the beginning and not so much in the middle and then at the end there might be. So I think that fractional um, element gives a lot more flexibility for the client. It's it's less than a contract because a contract kind of locks in hours, but more often than not, it's it's a, a promise of up to a certain amount of hours a week or a month, and it helps me deliver what a client needs in a way that they need it, uh, be available for calls or questions or any kind of insights, um, but not to be a full-time burden for them. I mean that in the nicest way, where they're paying out for something that they might not be getting or seeing value from um, in a consistent way. So they're going to see value, but they don't see, oh, there's a there's a big paycheck going out, but really, what has he done this week? Because we've been waiting on development for three weeks to do something. So, um, yeah, not my invention, uh, but I, I'd like to say that I'm trying to own that that component of it. and And it's been working out really good. Well, awesome. Well, we are filming this on December 30th, 2022. This is the time of year. Everyone writes their prediction articles for the upcoming year. These have been popular for years now, and some are better than others. Uh, there is one topic, though, that I I noticed that seems to be on every one of these lists, and it's ChatGPT. For our audience, if, if anyone's not familiar, ChatGPT is from a company called OpenAI. And you can ask it a question in, in chat GPT. I think the, the non-controversial way to, to say this without me getting into a, a debate is that it will write you copy that is much better than automated AI programs ever have been before. Um, many people believe that it will automate numerous mundane tasks for SEOs and potentially it could even be good enough to write articles that rank in search engines. Have you been interested in chat GPT and do you have any predictions for how it will be used in 2023. I think, I think to your point, everyone's talking about it. I've certainly played around with it. Um, I, I have a few opinions. So first off, um, I'm assuming as an SEO guy, you use Ahrefs or Majestic SEO or yep. something like that. Mm -hmm. It's a tool. So you put Ahrefs in front of average Joe Blow or CMO. He's going to go, this is just a lot of numbers or... What does this mean? And I think it's the same way with, with uh, ChatGPT. It's a tool and you have to understand how to use it and what it's useful for. And there's been some great articles about what it could be used for. And obviously there's a lot of testing that still needs mm -hmm. to be done. But from my perspective, you know, if you put it in front of someone that doesn't understand SEO to write an SEO article with the wrong inputs, it's not gonna work. And so from my perspective, like any tool, it can be misused, which I think is happening in the early days, that bell curve of this is really crap, this is crap, this is really, really crap, and then it goes back down to it's just averagely crap, we found how to use it better. So <laughs> I think we're at that early stage where everyone's just right. trying it out and see if it works. And you can rank. I mean, you can. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, you can today. Yeah. Google obviously did their big red flag around what's going to happen is it's going to replace Google search. Obviously, it's not good enough for right now because it doesn't have access to actual uh, web data in real time. So it's not like Google, not, never going to be like Google. 
in the next few months, but maybe that will improve. Maybe someone will write something that the bridges and maybe Google's going to come up with something better. Probably taking, this is my prediction, <laughs> taking more of that um, conversational type search language, uh, probably doing more of their, uh, you know, intelligent assistant type stuff and really building that into the search experience even more. So it's, maybe it's, it's beyond your phone, beyond, um, what I would normally use it for, just a Google Assistant or something like that, and be much more built into the search in some way that the smart guys at Google work out that's much better. Maybe it's a suggestion engine to make those inputs better. I did a post on LinkedIn, it's actually garbage in, garbage out, because that's what the challenge is mm -hmm. right now. If you don't give it the great inputs, you don't get a great output. So I think there's going to be tools that help facilitate that, and it'll probably be someone like Google that comes up with the best implementation of it to kind of save their ass a little bit. Oh, very interesting. Well, I, I like talking to people who've been in SEO for a very long time. Um, and, and with that, I'm not trying to uh, age you or anything like that, but unless your LinkedIn deceives me, you've had something like 20 plus years of experience, which is almost impossible to consider uh, given the age of our industry. But with that sort of perspective, you actually would be an interesting person to hear about guesses for where the industry is going, predictions, that sort of thing. Outside of ChatGPT, what's what's interesting to you right now? What, what are you are you predicting any major changes at Google and in our industry? What's what's uh, gotten in your in your brain these days? Sure. So first off, I don't think age or experience equals expertise all the time. I don't pretend to be the smartest guy in search. There's some really smart guys out there. They're doing some really cool stuff. Um, obviously, when we look at what problems need to be solved still in SEO, it still comes down to some real basics around can you get a new site to rank well for the right terms relatively quickly because there's always going to be a business case around how we can get it quicker, better, faster, and obviously driving the right metrics. So I think that's still a fundamental that hasn't changed a bit in the 20 plus years. And, and mm. obviously I'm not that old, Mark, you can tell, but um, you know, in, the, yeah, in that yeah. 20 plus years, th those things still stay the same. Then it comes down to how do we test hypotheses? And that's the big mm. thing that I'm excited about is how can we get better testing regime around, you know, ways of, of understanding what the outcome's likely to be before we actually do it. So there's some brilliant stuff around market brew and some more simpler stuff around SEO testing that you know, give you an idea of what are the potential outcomes based on either small tests or based on trying to recreate search engines. So, so that stuff is really exciting to me. The other thing that I've been talking about for years, and I, I hope it's going to be this year, is the smart car is kind of the sixth or seventh screen. So the idea of once you've got your hands off the wheel and you're just sitting around doing nothing, how do you uh, integrate search much more closely into a windshield interface or into a, a, an automobile? Because that's the next big opportunity of knowing where someone is, what they're looking for based on their history, where they're going, and an idea of that voice search and the chat GPT, you know, how, how can you anticipate what someone's looking for as opposed to wait for an input? So I think that's exciting and it's, it kind of takes, 
the Google Assistant to the next level around actually anticipating searches, mm -hmm. anticipating needs. Amazon has a brilliant program that kind of guesses who you are and, and what you're looking for. Target has the same kind of thing with that massive data set. I think that that's the next mm -hmm. exciting thing. And maybe 2023 is where this all comes together. A lot of things thrown out there. I sorry, know. but I think I think a lot. <laughs> no, I, I love those predictions. And I think you're uh, the predictive search, I think, is, is going to be an interesting one to watch. So I, I want to shift gears if we can. Uh, I, as I understand it, you are a U.S. ambassador. It's not for diplomacy or anything like that. You are the, the U.S. ambassador and software evangelist for InLinks. This sounds uh, very interesting. Tell, tell our audience about InLinks and your participation. Sure. Um, so uh, ambassadors are always diplomatic, Mark. You know that. So uh, <laughs> I, I've known Dixon Jones for quite a while based on the kind of speaking circuit mm -hmm. and also being a fan. Uh, he's a smart guy. And so uh, when he launched the beta of InLinks, I was kind of uh, somewhat, I think, excited about the next tool because obviously it was part of Majestic and to see what he was working on, what he was involved with. Um, at that time, I was working a large real estate company um, and I was looking at ways of differentiating locations and I was looking around for something that would maybe help differentiate and Part of that was obviously schema. We all know about location schema, um, you know, content within the page that search engines understand based on references or a, an overall categorization. And so InLinks was, was having the idea of how do we connect uh, entities, so known, cataloged, people, places, things, concepts, things like that. How can we connect that to uh, a known source, a known element, so in this case, they're, they're leveraging Wikipedia, so a known catalog, to better uh, influence search engines or, or to give better understanding of you know, what page is about. So I jumped into the beta, and I thought it was really cool, and I tried it on a few of my client sites, and it worked quite well, um, you know, just in a measured way of adding same-as schema with, within a page. So same-as schema, there's a couple of different types, about and, and mentioned, about is what a page is about. Mention is what's mentioned in the page. And these are point of references around entities. So, for example, the, the, the case, the use case is always around bank. You know, bank, is it a river bank? Is it a financial bank? Is it a bank shop? Right. So if you mention bank and you're referencing a Wikipedia page that says financial institution, then a search engine is going to understand a little bit more about what the page is about. And these little incremental improvements can help a lot. And then... InLinks takes the other pain in the ass that you generally have as an SEO, which is internal linking, and automates that around uh, mm. connection of entities to relevant and related pages. So uh, I became not just a beta user, but I became a fan and an actual user. And then uh, Dix and I were chatting. He says, well, do you want to help us out? We'd love you to evangelize a little bit in the US. So that's what I've been doing. It's, it's another fractional job. <laughs> so... But it's fun, and I, I, I love playing around with new software, SEO software. There's some really cool stuff being worked on. I love it. Um, well, I, unless I'm mistaken, you were recently in my hometown of Chicago, where I'm, I'm filming from, at Digital Summit, talking about entity SEO. So this kind of goes to some of the things you talked about with, with InLinks. And 
you know, this topic, I, I'm sorry, like I'm trying to remember when this started to be a topic at SEO conferences and um, blogs and everything. It's probably three, four years now. Uh, and it was a big paradigm shift in those, in that time. Um, first, I just want to talk about it conceptually. Why is Google using entities for the, the, the novice who's, who maybe doesn't, doesn't know as, as much as you talked about what, what's the benefit? What, what are they trying to understand with this entity? What, what is Google after? Sure. So search engines are fundamentally dumb. I mean, it's an algorithm. What they're trying to do is assess a page. And so there is a lot of content. And by the way, it, it actually harks back to Hummingbird, um, which was algorithm yeah. update to better understand those concepts of, of strings to things. So strings, meaning something you type in that could be anything, and things are actually actually elements they recognize. And entities are like topics. Uh, as I said, people, places, things, concepts, things that are known and cataloged somewhere. So, for example, LinkedIn. You're on LinkedIn. If I reference your LinkedIn profile, people understand which Mark, and I'm sorry if I mispronounced Beelin, which Mark Beelin I'm talking about, because there might be many. Same thing with Grant Simmons. I mean, Grant Simmons is a uh, an animator for, for uh, Hanna-Barbera. Uh, it's a... Australian football player. And so to understand who Grant Simmons is, if, if I reference my LinkedIn profile, people know which Grant Simmons I'm talking about. So my LinkedIn profile defines an entity, which is me. It's it's unique, me, and it's cataloged within a database, i.e. LinkedIn. So I, I when I looked thought back at this, 2013, I wrote an article. It was called, if I remember it correctly, uh, humming, hummingbird, Larry Bird, something. Uh, SEO is for the birds. And essentially it was saying that when you search for Big Bird, you actually get the name of the actor that played Big Bird, not what is Big Bird, the, the, the animal on Sesame Street. And, and that was a way of Google understanding through its knowledge graph. The knowledge graph is this idea of connected elements, people, places, things, that are known and catalogued. Through that knowledge graph, they can understand that Big Bird is a character, a Muppet on Sesame Street that is inside it is this actor and he has various attributes like the name and everything else. So imagine if I said, hey, do you know Grant Simmons? You could search out Grant Simmons. If you search Grant Simmons SEO, I come up. So the context of a query is the elements that search engines know about a particular thing. So mm. how do we help them understand better? We make sure our page is complete with different you know, attributes of this thing that disambiguate, mm -hmm. that make that page, make that content absolutely uniquely about that particular topic or thing. So a long way away, around of saying, if search engines are dumb, how can we help them understand what our content is about, what our site expertise is about? It really comes down to entities, entity attributes, connected entities that really tie everything together. So search engines understand based on all these contextual cues, what a particular page is about. See, I'm, I'm, I'm three sips into Honey Bourbon and you've got me talking like five minutes, hold on. Oh, good. So, right. does that make sense, though? 
It, ma it makes perfect sense. So here's the logical question, right? So anybody watching this is going to say, okay, uh, we're in a competitive space. We're SEOs. We want to win. Uh, how do I improve entity SEO? And maybe even if you wanted to go this far, how can InLinks help with, with us uh, giving Google what it wants really, right? Sure. So, so um, I love InLinks, but let's talk more generically first. InLinks just allows you yeah. to scale it. So let's talk more generically, which is connecting pages to known entities. So same as schema mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. marvelous for connecting your page topic to a known entity. Wikipedia is a great resource, but any known catalog, and it could be for a word, it could be encyclopedia.com or, or, or something like that. So you want to make sure that's in, in a page. And all this stuff is incremental. You're not going to make that one change and suddenly everything goes, woo, brilliant. You're going to rank number one. But incrementality, and, and you know, SEO is about making incremental improvements to, to help mm -hmm. uh, your page rank for a particular query that you want to rank it for. So, so that's number one is just making sure you have same as schema in place. And same as schema from a standpoint, what is the page about? And then what are the attributes or other entities mentioned on the page via same as schema as well, but with mentions within the page. So it's not what the page is about, but it's mentions. So that's that's number one. Obviously, other schema is really important for anyone in a competitive space to make sure you've got location schema, company schema, article schema, everything else like that. But there's a lot more that you can put in there as far as product and attributes and everything else. Schema.org is a brilliant resource to be able to integrate that stuff into your site. And there are some automatic schema creators and ChatGPT can create schema for you if you ask it the right questions. Mm -hmm. All right. So, so that's number one. Number two is making sure your internal linking is extremely focused. Uh, whether I'm old school or not, I believe in silos. I believe in silos from both a, a hierarchical standpoint within a URL. And also I believe in silos from an internal linking standpoint. So making sure that you specify a particular target page for a specific query, and then you drive relevant and diverse anchor text to that page from other pages that are also relevant to that topic. So in the big picture, we end up understanding what a target of a page is, making sure we connect that to a known entity or entities. So it's really clear what that page is about. And then we reinforce that through internal linking that also leverages not the same anchor text, but a diverse and relevant anchor text from relevant and related pages. So you can do all this manually. The reason I use InLinks, it allows me to scale it. So much easier. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. So to, to, re, to reiterate, we've got schema is a big part of this, same as schema in particular. Uh, linking to authoritative websites to, to help with that disambiguation problem that you mentioned. Um, I, I wonder, is there a way, if I'm actually keying in copy, if I want to write the copy in a way that, you know, it's a, maybe we want to work at the users first, but I want to write content that is going to help with this disambiguation problem that's going to help uh, Google understand the entity on the page. Is there any tips or tricks to doing that? Or is that something that's a secondary concern? Write the content how you'd write it and don't worry about entities as a copywriter. So um, it would be a wonderful world if that was the case. 
And first off, authoritative uh, catalogs. So authoritative catalogs of of sites. So yeah. Um, so of course there are tools out there that help you understand the entities that you have on your site. So Inlinks is one of them. You have Surfer SEO. You have Page Page Optimizer Pro. You have a lot of tools that help you understand what's within a page. Um, what you want to do is make sure that you include the associated kind of entities that really disambiguate. So Inlinks has a content editor tool. Surfer SEO has one. Page Optimizer Pro has one. So the difference is, is that you know most of those tools use Google NLP, so natural language processing, to understand mm. what the entities are. Um, you know, Inlinks takes a slightly different approach because they have their own internal uh, kind of knowledge graph of entities as well. So you want to find a solution, and you can do this with pure keyword research. I don't, I don't, I don't profess to say that the answer to everything is automation, but you can just do really great keyword research and understand what entities appear, for example, in Wikipedia. So uh, in that presentation I gave at Digital Summit, you know, I talked about you, you can find entities in many different ways. You, the IBM has an entity extraction tool. Um, you know, there's a lot of cool tools that I do, but Wikipedia is a pretty great resource for taking a look at a page that you want to uh, understand from a standpoint of you, you want your site to be really aligned with a particular topic on Wikipedia and look at the internal links that Wikipedia has. Those internal links within the main copy are going mostly to other Wikipedia pages. So they are relevant and related topics, relevant related entities that you should probably have within your page if you want to either outrank uh, Wikipedia or you want to do as well as and differentiate your content you want to be better than Wikipedia. So uh, I, I use that. I use the in-links tool for finding out what's missing. Um, I, I've also used Surfer SEO and I've, I use other tools as well. But the key thing for me is it still takes a human in the loop to understand what's relevant. So if you have a page that doesn't completely satisfy the query through, uh, so a couple of things. Uh, sorry, I, I back off one sec. Let me take a drink first off, but. Please do, yeah. I have something I call paths to satisfaction. It's almost impossible to say that every query is satisfied on a single page. You can have some really long pages, and a lot of e-com sites have massive pages, you know, questions, answers, things like that. But if something deserves its own page because it is unique and focused on a particular entity or answers a particular need, I break apart pages, first off, sectionizing pages into relevant sections. So it pulls the user deeper into the page. And then next, I link off to, to relevant related pages that make sense. So I call that paths to satisfaction because yeah. ultimately Google yeah. wants the query to be 100% satisfied on the site. That doesn't mean on yeah. the page. And that's where a lot of SEOs miss out. Yeah. So by providing paths to satisfaction through kind of an entity connection, through kind of a deeper satisfaction of a particular query, you can fully satisfy almost any query, whether it's, you know, uh, how to use chat GDP or whether it's, you know, from my perspective, I created a website on music genres. You know, it's what mm -hmm. are the list of music genres and then what are those particular genres? You can dig deep and you can find that way of ranking where you can beat Wikipedia 
just by making sure you have the internal path to satisfaction so that people can find the answer they're looking for. All right. Along, I am very verbose tonight, Mark. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're great. Now, and I, I love it. I, I, one of the things I, I think that uh, yeah, a human being, ChatGPT can't do this. The human being can do this, which is to at least understand that challenge that Google has, that disambiguation challenge. So we've used a couple examples, but like if you did a search for queen, does that mean queen the band? Does that mean the queen of England? Does that mean queen on a chess piece? Like everybody's got their example of how this could work out. Yeah. I, I wonder how much of this is just a human being has to understand the challenge that Google has and then start to come with those paths to, to, I love your phrase, but the, the paths to, to shoring these things up. But the first challenge that I think Jet, ChatGPT or one of those programs could never understand just exactly having a little empathy for the challenge that Google is trying to solve. No, that's massive. Look, Google is done, but it's the best search engine I think that's that's been in existence. And obviously, mm -hmm. it comes back to can they truly understand the user intent um, to understand what will satisfy the query? So, you know, part of that is them understanding who you are, uh, if you're signed in, what you've searched for previously, where you are based on location, um, you know, what device you're on. I mean, there's all these different ideas of what is the context of, of the query so they can better understand the intent. And then it comes down to they have to understand based on crawling, indexing, passing out entities and the rest of the content within a page whether a particular page or set of pages will satisfy fully that query. That's why Google exists, because people know they can get great answers. So, yeah, understanding is that first challenge. Understanding a website content is a second challenge. And then that matching up is where the quality raters guidelines come in and things like that, where they try and improve the search results consistently by testing, uh, by users and by looking at in my humble opinion they have to look at click paths and dwell times and return to search and query modification and things like that because you know that's a massive amount of data that they have that they leverage in tests all the time well very interesting well grant i'm running out of time here we're, we're late on a friday but i want to make sure if people want to connect with you or learn more how, how should they do that what's your favorite social media and and how do they connect with you? Sure. Well, you can always connect to me on LinkedIn. Um, so it's you can search for Grant Simmons or Simonet, S-I-M-M-O-N-E-T. You can connect with me on Twitter, also at Simonet or at grantsimmons.com, which also has links to all my social media and stuff. And uh, no, uh, I've like you said, I've been in the industry a long time. I'm at that point where I love to give back. So if anyone has questions or Anything that they have a particularly challenging problem, I love to answer and help out where I can. The industry has been very good to me. And so I like to give back if I can and help the guys that are coming up because they're way smarter than I ever was. <laughs> well, listen, you've been a, a, a pleasure to talk to. I, I wish you a happy new year. And for everybody watching, I'm going to sign off now for uh, be back next week with another episode of Southern Search. Thanks, Grant. I'll give you a virtual cheers. Happy New Year to you too. Cheers. 
Cheers.